So here we go. Coming your way in one hot minute, 50 short seconds. Great Matters, WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. Acoustic rock, classic rock, doom, folk pop, lo-fi, garage rock, math rock, dream pop, worship, soundscape, bluegrass, electronic music, jungle, chill, power pop, heck house, mixtape, urban. You are listening to the many sounds of WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Space, sludge, turntablism, space rock, freestyle, down-tempo, synth-pop, 8-beat, dance-hall, acid-beat, mashup, electro-pop. Well, uh, good evening. It's about 6.30 p.m. and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, obviously there's lots to do in the summer. And it's a little bit of summer weather out there. But I did want to, uh, eh, if you're a Norse and Wells fan, be uh, be aware of some of this really outstanding stuff that's uh, coming up this week at the, basically the opening night of Cinetopia here in Ann Arbor. In fact, tonight at the Michigan Theater, they're having an unknown Orson Welles program, number one. Uh, Munich film curator Stefan Dressler presents a rare opportunity to see excerpts from some of Welles' unfinished films. Included are The Deep, Moby Dick, Rehearsed, The Other Side of the Wind, Dreamers, and The Magic Show. And then there are some other interesting... There's another unknown Orson Welles program tomorrow night, uh, with the same Munich film curator Stefan Dressler uh, presenting at 7 o'clock tomorrow night uh, the uh, works that uh, he made for television and features Sketchbook, Fountain of Youth, Viva Italia, and London. So, uh, highly well, through the week, all through yeah. the week. There's and there's stuff, all, so. there's stuff all week. Touch uh, of Evil's available on the Michigan Theater's big screen tomorrow. Mr. Arcadian later tonight, um, as well as Othello tomorrow. And I think Touch of Evil, by the way, is well, it's one of my favorite movies of all time for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the Orson Welles character, who's basically a corrupt uh, sheriff, police detective, I guess technically. I don't think he was sh- sheriff. <laughs> so border to town. Uh, border town. It's a brilliant black and white movie with incredible cinematography and one of the greatest lines in film history, Marlena Dietrich in a deadpan, stoic face, telling Orson Welles he's a mess. You better lay off the candy bars. (laughs) Well, there's so much to like about that film. I would personally call that my favorite Orson Welles film as, yeah, as a directorial it, thing as a performer i might go with his harry lime and carol reed's the third man uh or the uh, excellent jane Eyre uh, performance he gave as uh, mr rochester but touch of evil is a film that is both of its time and speaks beyond it because it, it seems to anticipate the nixonian obsession with 
secret recordings. Yeah, and the other thing about uh, Orson Welles' performance in it is that it's it's uh, almost a um, an homage, not not an homage, but maybe a representation of J. Edgar Hoover. And yeah, very much so. The physical <laughs> characterization uh, does allow you to draw that connection. And I am. Absolutely convinced that Alfred Hitchcock uh, saw this movie, and that's why Janet Lee was cast in uh, Psycho, because uh, there's some amazing Janet Lee as in a black and white feature. It's interesting. She's she was a babe, and I'm I'm using that word jokingly because we can talk about that word in a second as it relates well, to well, one the, of the great beauties of Hollywood. Uh, certainly, no. Doubt about that. Yeah, and but she's. It, what's interesting about her is she's in three of my all-time favorite movies, hmm. including The Manchurian Candidate and All right. Psycho. But a touch of evil on the big screen is well worth seeing, and there are just a panoply of other movies all week. Interestingly, by the way, they're showing Jaws free outdoors on Thursday night, apparently on a wall over on Maynard Street somewhere. I'm not quite sure I visualize how that's going to pan out. I think there's going to be a lot of people turning out for it if the weather is like it's been, and uh not sure where everybody's going to go. Dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Maynard. Dun-dun-dun. But uh, I'm also, uh, the, probably the two films that are the most noteworthy besides the Orson Welles is this uh, documentary called Best of Enemies. Yes. Uh, and this uh, harkens back to the great spats that you used to see on... Uh, Public television, press television, news television, uh, back in the day, uh, the 68 uh, era, where Gore Vidal and William F. Buckley Jr. debated each other in this really fierce series of ideological confrontations uh, in an era where sort of the public intellectual enjoyed a bit more respectability and clout. I mean, do we have any public intellectuals left today with the Internet and the likes of Ann Coulter? Uh, bringing up a sort of uh, totalitarian uh, fascist approach to border politics. Does she constitute uh, today's idea of a public intellectual? Well, I don't know. As contemptible as William F. Buckley could be sometimes, he argued with panache and grace, pointing that pencil ever so persistently. Yes, firing line was a little pompous for me sometimes, but uh, to his credit, Buckley was a wit, and he was a very polished, shall we say, television performer. Indeed. No doubt about it. So, With those Gore Vidal debates, with the, uh, when Gore Vidal famously accused him of being a crypto-fascist, <laughs> the sparks were flying. Yes, that uh, guarantees to be quite entertaining. And, of course, uh, Gore Vidal, one of the great uh, American writers of the 20th century, in my opinion. I think um, the greatest essayist. Uh, for sure, of the 20th century. And certainly a wit. So bring your pencil and paper and maybe memorize a few of the lines uh, from that movie. Uh, other than that, you know, pick up a Cinetopia guide. I'm sure they're around town uh, near the Michigan Theater. They are showing movies, by the way, at some of other venues, uh, including the State Theater and a couple of University of Michigan uh, mm buildings, so we don't need to go down the whole list. One other thing that I will mention uh, in closing, tomorrow at the Graduate Library at the University of Michigan, sort of in the heart of the Diag, uh, they had some stuff today that were, shall we say, sort of uh, 
in honor of the fact that Orson Welles' papers have been donated to the Michigan, the University of Michigan. And um, there will be a panel discussion at 2.30. I'm going to try and make this. How the legacy of Orson Welles has been shaped in the various media 30 years since his death. That's at 2.30 in the... That's free, by the way. That's why I mention it. At the Harlan Hatcher Graduate Library Gallery. Uh, it's technically a South University address, but it does not technically... A butt South U. You got to kind of get onto the diag to find the uh, graduate library gallery. That's at two thirty tomorrow. That is free. There is also a scholarship symposium in the morning uh, that has some scholars and whatnot, and uh, and are part of this Wells collection of. Um, papers that are at the University of Michigan Library, Uh, and I believe there's even maybe an exhibit at the Art Museum on State Street connected with this Orson Welles business. So anyway, uh, yeah, Cenotopia all week. Enjoy. It looks to me like there's a couple of uh, interesting thrillers from abroad. Uh, Some, you know, some documentaries were seen. I only wish that... they had kept uh, the Merchants of Douth, Doubt documentary around. Mm. That, by the way, showed last week at the State Theater. I read about this movie several months ago. And this is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Um, it features global warming and how the media has basically screwed this whole thing up with false balance and the ability of the right wing to basically counteract the science, the actual science. Uh, this is based on a book by an environmental reporter whose name escapes me at the moment. I I had it written down on a different piece of paper that I don't have with me. Uh, her, her name's Orestes. I don't know. We can't remember her first name. But this is an outstanding documentary about how the uh, pundits, quote-unquote, that appear on television to counteract global warming are actually connected to Cold War propaganda and used to represent the cigarette industry in denying the science about cigarette smoking. Uh, and it, it shows... Which, of ha- course, w- w- was dragged on for decades beyond yeah. the scientific evidence. Uh, Secretary of Agriculture Henry Wallace was the first one to publicly announce in the 40s, this is a toxic material, needs to be controlled and maybe prohibited. Yeah, and believe it or not, the Nazis even had... Uh, Massive public campaigns against smoking. Right. If you can believe that. But Hitler was a... A health nut. A fanatic. He was a vegetarian and a non-smoker, as he used to brag to Molotov, uh, who didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) They were interested in dividing up Eastern Europe, regardless of who smoked and who didn't. Uh, But uh, if you get a chance to see this documentary when it comes out on DVD, it's well worth uh, uh, the money for it because it uh, will show you not only just leaving aside the specifics of global warming and the, and the tobacco debate, this has some other very interesting uh, juxtaposition of how the media really works, how propaganda and, quote, creating disputes, false disputes with uh, no evidence— because one of the most interesting graphs that was shown 
when they quoted uh, Ms. Orestes was the fact that she had done a peer review of the science papers on the issue of climate change, and there were 982 documented scholarly papers documenting this as 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 a real phenomenon, and there were zero scientific papers counteracting it. So what they've done is they've created a political dispute that continues to this day. This is how television and propaganda work. <laughs> and uh, so it's fascinating, even beyond the, the specifics about global warming. The actual subject matter itself. Yeah, yeah. and of course, the uh, it's interesting that Singer, Fred Singer and uh, Seitz, I think was the other scientist, uh, were both cold warriors that worked on... Uh, the V-2 rocket program, originally. Then they became shills for the tobacco industry in the 60s. They are, quote, scientists, but they have no expertise in global climate change science. (laughs) So uh, they are what are known as false pundits. Yeah, Jonathan Swift warned about them as the uh, the bogus science of the Academy in his uh, Gulliver's Travels, but... uh, of course, uh, one of the minor little bubbling stories today is Rick Santorum, good Catholic boy, takes issue with the Pope, top Catholic, <laughs> over global warming. Oh. Uh, suggesting that uh, the Pope should leave science to the scientists. The church sometimes gets the science wrong, Santorum uh, reminds us. When is he uh, going to read the science? <laughs> well, there's some interesting <laughs> scientific questions for him, too, of course. One about... Uh, conception and fetuses and uh, others about uh, gay marriage, perhaps. But uh, uh, it's pretty bizarre to uh, find yourself to the right of the Pope. Yeah. On an issue that, uh, especially as we're seeing in, you know, the voting demographic, a significant and substantial culture shift with regards to open-mindedness towards gay marriage, gay uh, rights, uh, marriage equity. Um, and also the incredible importance of trying to do something about global warming. Uh, the youth are concerned. And so the future is in being concerned. Uh, it's ridiculous to continue to deny this. Yeah, and it would be interesting. I mean, one of the continuing stories uh, just in recent weeks, this this human migration problem and all mm-hmm. of the people fleeing uh uh, areas that are environmentally imperiled, in addition to the fact that they're imperiled by continuing warfare uh, promoted by all sorts of uh, shenanigans by uh, some of the big corporations. As for the state of Texas's response to uh, the recent flooding out there, it's refreshing to realize that their uh, call to action was to allow guns on college campuses. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, you know, when the floodwaters rise, you can shoot holes into the floodwaters, and then, you know, air gets in. And, yeah, that, that'll work. And the guns, you know, are, are, are going to be seen today on... Uh, you can fight off for the, for the food supply. You know, the, the taser that was drawn at the pool party and the roughhousing going on and all that, obviously. More police uh, stupidity, but... Uh, in defense of the cop, there were a couple guys that were kind of walking behind him when, before he drew his taser. And he obviously overreacted. He's been suspended. 
there will be a lot of uh, press conferences and screaming and hollering about this uh, incident. But uh, well, it's, a, it's occasion for a good little public service announcement here for anyone who might be listening. It's a bad idea to walk behind a police officer. Yeah, while he's working. And of course, it's the a big mistake. Uh, the, the roughhousing of the female in the bikini. Uh, Completely unjustified, uncalled for. But by that point, this uh, police officer had lost his cool for a variety of reasons. And I think this played a factor in uh, what actually happened. I, of course, had a comment a couple of minutes ago about the the use of the word babe. And I only uh, bring this up because of the uh, Bruce Jenner, Caitlin Jenner story. Uh, there is an outstanding analysis of this whole event. I don't think we need to review the uh, the strangeness of uh, this whole incident. The, is this a story? You know, I say no. Yeah, it's and, turned into a story. Right. In my opinion, this is a private matter between a family and their medical professional, you know, and their immediate friends. It's. But this, of course, is about our fascination with celebrity mm-hmm. and Bruce Jenner, who's now called Caitlin. Fine, we'll call him Caitlin at this point. Of course, did an interview uh, back in April with Diane Sawyer about this uh, surgery that he was having with the quote, My brain is much more female than it is male. Uh, and his uh, ultimate justification for part of this strangeness of this whole incident was that he uh, brought up the issue of, quote, wearing nail polish. <laughs> I feel comfortable wearing nail polish. Wow. Uh, anyway, Eleanor Burkett, a journalist, former professor of women's studies and an Oscar-winning documentary, has an outstanding article in, Sun- in uh, the New York Times on Sunday, What Makes a Woman, that I highly recommend everybody to read for all co- kinds of reasons. But it's interesting that she quotes in the process of this, and uh, her, her comments include some analysis of Larry Summers, uh, former president of Harvard and former Treasury Secretary, uh, who probably would have become head of the Federal Reserve, uh, had he not made some unfortunate comments while president of Harvard a couple years ago. We don't need to review that. But it's interesting, uh, Burkett writes, people who haven't lived their whole lives as women, whether uh, Ms. Jenner or Mr. Summers, shouldn't get to define us. That's something men have been doing for much too long. Their truth is not my truth. The drip, drip, drip of Ms. Jenner's experience included a hefty dose of male privilege few women could possibly imagine. While young Bruiser, Bruce Jenner, was called as a child, was being cheered on toward a university athletic scholarship, few female athletes could dare hope for such largesse since universities offer a little funding for women's sports. I'd take a little exception on that, but... Well, his uh, youthful accomplishments were pre-Title IX or whatever. Yeah. yeah so. Well, technically, some of them, yes. <laughs> I think Title IX was 72. He, he won the 76 Olympics. Okay. Anyway, um, when Mr. Jenner uh, looked for a job to support himself during training for the 76 Olympics, he didn't have to turn to the meager help-wanted female ads in newspapers. 
he could get by on the $9,000 he earned annually, unlike more young women whose median pay was a little more than half of men back then. Tall and strong, he never had to figure out how to walk streets safely at night. She then goes on to quote a, um, and this is connected to the Vanity Fair uh, photographs, Susan Ager, a Michigan journalist who wrote on her Facebook page, I fully support Caitlyn Jenner, but I wish he hadn't chosen to come out as a sex babe, unquote. (laughs) And I appreciate that. If you've seen the Vanity Fair poster, and I haven't read any... It's a sort of a glamour shot, yeah. It's a glamour shot, but uh, I disagree that he looks like a sex babe. He looks... Pretty, well, he's seventy. Pretty horish, yeah. yeah it's, pretty horish uh, to me. Yeah. Uh, so if this is about wearing nail polish, uh, well, I, it's I, about wanting to yeah. feel like you've felt like feeling for a long time, and now you're just old. I think yeah. in his case, but it's very much a first world uh, scenario that that plays out here. And it absolutely, I think it's easier for a man to become a woman through surgery and medical practice and so forth than probably for a woman to become a man. And I think that article points out some of those things. So maybe, unfortunately, it is still a man's, 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 man's world, even if he chooses to become a woman. Um, There's a bit of a controversy, too, over uh, Clint Eastwood apparently making fun of Caitlyn Jenner over some Republican thing. Oh, he's the, he's a Republican transgender. <laughs> right. So there's a new woman voter for the Republicans, I guess, is one silver lining uh, scenario for from one point of view here. <laughs> yeah. And in that respect, I guess you could say that uh, Caitlyn Jenner is an ideal Republican voter, old, uh, rich and white. Yeah. And of course, the interesting comment that uh, Eleanor Burkett uh, wrote about this. No reproductive uh, concerns either. So. She 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 notes, she said this was the prelude to a new photo spread. She was referring to the uh, interview with Diane Sawyer in April on television uh, in Vanity Fair. Of course, at this point, it should just be called Vanity. Uh, we can skip the fair part. There's nothing fair about it. <laughs> that offered a glimpse into Caitlyn Jenner's ideal of a woman, a cleavage-boosting corset, sultry poses, thick mascara, and the prospect of regular girls' nights out. Banter about hair and makeup. And there so you have these it. These are all things that gender specialists would argue are social yeah. constructs. Exactly. The This is really, it's still all about the celebrity. It's not really about the gender politics here. And who needs to wear nail polish anyway? Uh, nail polish is probably a, a toxin. Well, one summer, back when I, the summer I graduated from high school, my girlfriend was hanging out poolside, put toenail polish on my toes. Uh-oh. Uh, just for, you know, we're sitting around. As it was a, a joke. Boring afternoon. She'd done her nails. I right. like, oh, I'm going to put toenail on, po- nail polish on your toes. I was like, okay, whatever. It's a nice day. My dad freaked out. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, gee, Dad, it's not too effeminate. My girlfriend did it. <laughs> but people are so, uh, their gut reactions are so extreme and so overreactive, I think, that while uh, a big part of this uh, Caitlyn Jenner uh, story has been, I think, emblematic of this watershed moment where culturally Americans are turning a page and saying, 
We really don't care. We really don't care what people's personal sexual issues are. Um, as Americans, they have the right to pursue these through medical practice or you know clothing options or what have you. But it's not something that needs to be on the television all the time. The Kardashian circus is... Yeah is about people who are desperate for attention. Well, and that's the trouble with this. This, this, of course, one of the reasons I mentioned this is that last week this was the number one uh, scanned story in the New York Times website. Right. Uh, and, of course, uh, Eleanor Burkett uh, closes her piece with this uh, observation, which I think is, uh, is, is uh, typical of the profundity of the overall article. She says Bruce Jenner, and he was Bruce Jenner, back then, apparently, uh, told Miss Sawyer that what he looked forward to the most in his transition was the chance to wear nail polish, not for a furtive, fugitive instant, but until it chips off. I want that for Bruce, now Caitlin too, but I want her to remember nail polish does not a woman make. So I highly recommend this article, What Makes a Woman. In Sunday's New York Times, you can probably find it on your computer uh, one way or another. Uh, hopefully that will be the number one story <laughs> uh, read next week uh, on the website of the New York Times because it's got a lot of great observations about the whole problem of gender identity and Issues related to gender, and of course, the problem here, and, and the reason I bring this up is, you know, UN uh, studies have shown that a third of all women globally suffer violence mm -hmm. at some point in their lifetime. So while Bruce, Caitlyn, Jenner, whatever you want to call him, I guess he's Caitlyn now, fine. I guess one of his big fans now is Chelsea Manning, uh, who uh, is famous for being Bradley Manning behind the WikiLeaks story. Uh, he's one of his fans. He feels emotionally relieved that he has company. Well, bravo, but uh, let, let's <laughs> address some of the real issues involving gender and quit worrying about whether the reporter involved in the Vanity Fair uh, 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 article apparently was, quote, qualified to do the story because he was a cross-dresser. <laughs> the relevance of that escapes me. Uh, I don't care whether he wore panties or thongs or bras or whatever. Maybe it's time for somebody to do a screening of Ed Wood's revolutionary film way ahead of its time, Glenn Glenda. You got it. It sort of takes all these questions uh, honestly and seriously uh, rather shocking for a B and a third-rate B movie at that uh, of the uh, mid-50s to so sensitively handle such an issue that we're still talking about today. So it's it's a fun movie, but it also has some interesting things to think about. And if Bruce Jenner back in the day was indeed wearing <clears throat> women's undergarments uh, when he gave speeches, so what? <laughs> Kissinger probably was, too. <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover certainly was. <laughs> yeah, Kissinger probably more into bondage, I suspect. A very interesting uh, ruling today by the Supreme Court regarding the Israel foreign policy question. Six to three, 
Uh, the majority of the justices apparently can read the Constitution. Scalia, Scalito, and Thomas cannot. Uh, they sided with the imaginary idea that this is related to the Jerusalem is the capital issue and diplomacy and who of the branches of government, the executive or legislative, have the right to determine these questions. Uh, very interesting separation of powers ruling today, uh, six to three, um, somebody can read the U.S. Constitution. Well, and it also, I think, uh, can be blamed uh, if Congress wants to see this as a setback or a failure. I think this is a sort of a blowback from their uh, invitation to Netanyahu to come and publicly embarrass the president. And uh, Congress does not uh, establish or set those policies. I thought it was fascinating to see Rick Perry announced for president wearing glasses. I, apparently, if he wears glasses, he will appear to the public to be... I'm bookish. ...smarter than he used to be. I don't know, Rick, get rid of the uh, horned wren, wren glasses. They're, they're, they can fool some of the people some of the time. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But uh, it, it's very strange. I don't remember him wearing glasses... Uh, when he was governor of Texas much. So this is yet another bizarre story about media, packaging, propaganda, and uh, tomfoolery. Well, and the excitement from the big money people and the Koch brother contingency that, oh, Scott Walker's got the lead. It's a year. It's over a year till the Iowa caucus. Yeah. And it doesn't mean anything to have a lead right now. And of course the Koch brothers are the number uh, part and ExxonMobil are the are the number one and number two funders of global uh, climate change That's right. denial quote unquote science. There isn't any. No. So Scott Walker's their man. <laughs> but uh, they've got no answers either. They've got their shells lined up uh, raring to go. Well, uh, Jazzu City Calling is raring to go down in uh, the actual studio of WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Do stay tuned. Jazzu City Calling coming up next. Thanks, Dan. Hi, on the 106th floor of the Ogilvy Broadcast Demographic Corporation in New York City, two executives sit in conference. The latest global music dominator computer analysis shows that our intelligently rigid demographics are failing in southeast Michigan. Let's get a new radio station started there right away. Hmm, yes. I'm thinking light jazz. Yes, that's the ticket. What about the emerging target demographic of adult urban soulless? Or perhaps alternative top ten. It's really emerging. Wait a minute. The computer's giving us a new readout. It says that rigid demographics don't appeal to human beings at all. That can't be. How can people like more than one thing at a time? The computer detects some kind of paradigm shift. You see, people are tuning in to this bizarre frequency. It's on the left side of the dial. Why, I've never turned my dial to that side before. Let me see that. It's less than 100. It's it's 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and it seems to be spreading throughout the world. Courtesy of www.wcbn.org on the Internet. The Internet? I thought that was just for advertising. And porn. 
Let's launch one of these cutting-edge stations. We'll play everything from Kenny G to light jazz. It's revolutionary. I like it. Don't take your musical cues from corporate broadcast headquarters. Tune into Freeform on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor to hear DJs who care about music, not demographics. 